This episode of the Sunspots Comics Podcast is brought to you by our brand new sponsor, Cryptid Zoo. Cryptid Zoo is a t-shirt line uniquely infused with augmented reality and inspired by cryptozoology figures like Bigfoot. It is designed by artist and owner Julian Meyer, and check out the amazing unique shirt designs at cryptidzoo.com. And don't forget to use the promo code SUNSPOTSCOMICS and you will get 25% off your shirts. Again, that's www.cryptidzoo.com. If you're looking for a place where your love is shared the same For the stories where the hero saves the girl somehow Where love no further friends, the adventure never ends We will save the world somehow In Sunspots Comics Town Happy holidays and welcome. You are listening to the Sunspots Comics Podcast issue number 85, covering the comics that I bought on Wednesday, New Comic Book Day, December 14th. And this issue is packed with visions of sugar plums and comic books dancing in your head. Yes, I am your belly like a bowl full of jelly host, Chris Latore. Thank you so much for joining us here on the Sunspots Comics Podcast where I recommend to you an amazing list of comic books to read every single week. Maybe you're new to comic books, not sure what to get, or you've just been reading comic books from the dawn of time like me myself. Well, if that's the case, then this podcast is for you, because I know how it is. Money's limited. Christmas is six days away. So I'm here to help you to just recommend what the best comics are, so you can save some cash, spend it on your family. That's what Sunspots Comics is all about. So we're definitely here for you. Please subscribe to our podcast and follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and Xbox at Sunspots Comics. We would greatly appreciate that. Check out our new-ish YouTube page at youtube.com slash Tophelat. T-O-P-H-E-E-L-A-T. By the way, Tophie comes from... It's my nickname that my grandmother on my father's side, Filipino side, would call me Tophie. I think it was because she actually, the color of my skin was more toffee colored, and but she, that's the way she pronounced toffee was toffee, but who knows, I don't know, but I, that kind of stuck, so there it is. <laughs> and a couple of quick thank yous to my friend Nick Papa George for making our amazing theme song, I love it, it always fills me with positive energy, I always listen to it right before I start the podcast. Please check out his Facebook at facebook.com slash Nicholas Dell Music. Get his new single called Power Within You, it's super good. It's just packed with positive energy, and he has a brand new album with his band called Solution. Just go to iTunes, search Nicholas Dell and his band Solution, and you'll find it. And thank you to my son, Justin, quote-unquote, Jables Latori, for his work on our Sunspots Comics blog. Please check it out at blog.sunspotscomics.com, and follow him on Instagram, at JustSunspots. And his new blog coming out is about the Rogue One movie, which him and I review coming up here very shortly in the podcast and we do send you to, we do arrive in Spoilville, in the, the old town of Spoils. So 
you've been warned now, but I'll warn you again later. <laughs> so let's jump right into Sunspots Comics Podcast issue number 85 with some stuff floating around in my nerd brain. That's right. And the first thing is Rogue One. So I'm going to jump right into it. It's a review where me and Justin Jables Latori sit down, have a conversation about it, kind of break it down, and just uh, we do uh, go off on some tangents and just kind of nerd out about this fantastic Star Wars movie. So I'm going to jump right into it and just press play now. So enjoy. This is me and Justin's, spoiler alert, of course, me and Justin talking about Rogue One, a Star Wars story. Here you go. Enjoy. All right, so here we are. I am with Justin Jables, quote-unquote Jables Latori, at Just Sunspots everywhere. How you doing, Jables? I'm doing all right. Uh, I'm doing pretty great, actually, after I saw Rogue One, so that's what I'm here to talk about, of course. Yes, thanks for being the guest host and reviewing Rogue One with me. So, warning everyone, we do uh, lay down some spoiler. Spoil the crap out of it! Spoiler City. Because it's awesome and I can't hold it back. So sorry. Welcome to Spoilsville. So be prepared. (laughs) You should have already seen this movie by now because it came out Wednesday night, technically. Technically. Because Daniel saw it 10 o'clock Wednesday night. Hey, Daniel. Daniel Winsonson? Yes. What's what's he at? He is at Dwin. I don't know. That was off the top of my head. Sorry, Daniel. (laughs) But hey, Daniel. How you doing? (laughs) We know you listen. So thank you. And hello. And we're still a little sad that you didn't take us with you to see it on Wednesday night. He knows people, though. He knows people in the biz. But anyway, so we are here to take you to Spoil Town of Rogue One. We're here to break it down, give you our thoughts, talk about it, lay it all out there, and uh, just bust this thing wide open. Bust it wide open. All right, so let's start. I think we should begin with the casting. Um, It's pretty damn good. uh, (laughs) I mean... Uh, it's it's hard to I don't know complain about it. There is no one to complain about in the yeah, casting. I mean, you that's can my, obviously that's my thought. You can obviously tell the difference between the um, th- I don't know, like the type of characters from Force Awakens to this. They're not as memorable, I guess you can say. Mm, I disagree. Uh, I disagree. Well, well, emotionally, these characters hit me more. Um, I guess as a fan, uh, you know. Rogue or uh, you know, Force Awakens. Mm-hmm. Those characters hit me a little bit more. They did, but yeah, emotionally, I I adored these characters. Like I, it, it you know, I don't want to go into that just yet, but it 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 was very um, I don't know, heart wrenching to me. I laughed. I I cried at one point. I, You're jumping ahead. I'm talking yeah. about the casting. The ca- well, that <laughs> that was why I think that was because the, the acting was so the chemistry between everybody was so. On point. I mean, yes. You you believed that all these people were rebels and that they were in the shit of of you know war and 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 I, they no were grimy. They were grimy. Yeah, were, this was the the warziest warziest of the Star Wars. Right? Definitely, <laughs> there was a lot of wars. Yeah, um, and, and that, that's what I stars. loved about it. I mean, that, that, I'm, I mean, that was what I was expecting, and that's what I got. My expectations. For that aspect were met and, I don't know, maybe blown out of the water because it was phenomenal. Well, in the casting, to say this as the way I summed it up, I never once rolled my eyes Oh yeah. at any character going oh, like, yeah. oh, yeah. you know. Yeah. Like, you never like, got douche mm. chills? No. Yeah, no, no. I never got so douche chills. I, I, and I really do give that to the, I give credit to the casting yeah, I staff there. Yeah. 
because I think that they they really have uh, characters you sort of recognize, you know, actors you sort of recognize, yeah. but they all seem to be very much on point. It is, at any time, there was no yeah. wavering yeah. upon their characters. Who was uh, who's your favorite character? And I mean, you uh, could it, it's kind of obvious K two S O, but K two S O was probably mine. But who's your favorite human character? They all f- didn't they? Did, to, I mean, this is a not answering your question right off, but didn't <laughs> it seem like? They all had a bit of everything that you needed to make it an altogether <laughs> yeah. rounded story, yeah. right? Yeah. That's like you could you take bits and pieces. Like for me, my heart goes to Jin's dad, Galen or so. Galen, uh, being a dad, yeah. right? And he was in that predicament to where he had no choice. The, mm-hmm. the Death Star was going to be made either way, yeah. and he had the opportunity to make it with a flaw. I, I, so I loved that aspect. That because... ha- that was the heart of the story for me. <laughs> yeah, I loved that aspect because it finally gave us a reason to why there was that dumb hole. In the Death Star. Sure. So, I mean, it was, it was kind of cool to see that. But other than that, the aspect of a father-daughter relationship in this was... It, it was so... It was the heart of the story. It, it hurt. <laughs> it was <laughs> it so hurts, good. Right? It hurt. It hurts. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I love that that aspect. And I love the, the chemistry. I, well, I guess there's no really chemistry because they're barely in the movie together. But, um, uh, you know... Yeah, Jin. it's that chemistry from afar, yeah. right? It's the well, I mean, Jin you, you wasn't see the really emotion of Jin because he's not there. She was so young yeah. that she also just sort of did her own thing and lived her own life, but he was still doing trying to do what was right for his daughter and yeah. for the world. Yeah, it was And for the rebels. For, for the rebellion, the rebel for the rebellion. <laughs> um but yeah, Felicity Jones perfectly cast. I I I haven't seen her in too much. And she plays she plays Jin herself, Felicity Jones. I never really noticed how how buck teeth how, how buck truly how <laughs> heavy duty buck the buck teeth, teeth are. Yeah, I mean, it uh, didn't really bother me, but I was like, oh, I didn't know her. I mean, she really I, has I, significant. Yeah, I found myself looking at him a few times. I had to like look away. <laughs> I never got distracted like that okay, with good. anything. So, um, but Felicity Jones did a marvelous job. Uh, she was definitely the emotional aspect for me. She's the one that kind of motivated me to want to keep watching i guess but um other than that you know you got diego luna which my buddy says is like the biggest actor in mexico right now and i can just listen to him talk for oh, a long yeah, time dude. he could like read an insurance man, manual he gives me like you know like man boners like i don't <laughs> know right. I, I mean <laughs> i mean i mean he really he could just read like you know he could read the ingredients on uh, on something <laughs> Mac and, cheese. and i would just be like enthralled you know he's like he's like this has the the monosodium glutamate of uh, and the yellow dye number five. And I'm just entranced. Out of my out of the human characters, because K2SO is obviously going to be everyone's favorite character. That's the Groot of this movie. He more, is more reminiscent of the in the um, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, the suicidal <laughs> bot. Yeah, um, he just sort of like, Rickman. he just kind of doesn't yeah. care. Yeah. And he but I, lo- I loved of, it. I loved him. I loved K2SO. But out of the human characters, Cassian Andor, played by Diego Luna, was my favorite character. Just because he was, he represented the badassdom of the Rebellion. He was the, he was sort of the... He was a true terrorist, in a, in a way, yeah. you, from the eyes of the, of the Empire. Yeah. He was like the Osama Bin Laden, in a way. Not, you know? not really. Or I Osama mean, Bin Laden's like right-hand man. I'd say Saw. <laughs> Saw, Saw was, 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 he was the Osama only... Bin Laden. So, now that we get into Saw Gerrera, which was uh, Forrest Whitaker's character, he was my he was my only character that I didn't really buy. The whole didn't thing. Buy him I mean, what? he was he was good because uh, Forrest Whitaker can do anything, and he's you know phenomenal in it. But 
he was the only one that I just didn't connect with, and he was, I don't know, the, the whole voice thing. It was it was the only person that I didn't really like. You know what it was? Hmm. I, I got it figured out. They skip all of their relationship. Oh, yeah, yeah. We see him open the trap door where she's hidden as a little kid. And that's it. And then the next time they see each other, she's 27 yeah. and he's 100 years old. And, w- you know, yeah. just asthma, hardcore, yeah. bronchial he, issues. Have, you notice he's, he's <laughs> sort of like the uh, rebellion Darth Vader. Yeah, yeah, very much. Yeah. He's got the he's fake got the, legs. He's got the, br- the breathalyzer the breathing, thingy. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But, um... But yeah, he's the only character I didn't fully like. Or, he's got uh, that Mr. Glass hair, though. You know what I'm <laughs> Mr. Talking about? Glass from uh, Invincible? <laughs> from or Invincible? Or not, is it Invincible? Call me Mr. Glass. Yeah, yeah he has that uh, sort of hair. That hairdo. He just misses the cane. Yeah, well, he had like, a cane. Call me Mr. Glass. He had a that's cane. Right. That's yeah. right, he had a cane. He did have a cane. But, um, so yeah, uh, moving on. Uh, Donnie Yen as uh, Chirrut Inway. Boy, that's a name yeah, right no, there. Chirrut Inway. I had to look that Chirrut up before. Chirrut Inway. Um, but... Okay, he, he, I'll have to say this. He made me cry. Donnie Yen? Yes. Really? Wow. And, and, and you, know what, you know what Patsy said? She said, you're partial to the Asians. <laughs> I, guess, <laughs> I was like, well, I am Asian. Yeah, I go, there's so nothing cute. to do with it because I love Donnie yeah, Wen. Donnie I love the gung-fu, yeah. Yeah, Donnie Yen in the, in the gung-fu movies. and uh, I love him in Ip Man. Even 2 and 3, they were still good. I haven't seen 3 yet, but 1 and 2 killed me it was yeah. awesome they're so cool i love those movies but Johnny... anything that ties to bruce lee as yeah. well that's where my heart oh, yeah. is so i'm like <laughs> so i was very partial to him and he was the force character he was the, sort of yeah. yeah or he was batshit yeah. crazy yeah but <laughs> <laughs> we could right? just say that he's he's like he's sort of like yoda in um empire like he's just kind of kooky you know what i mean but yoda's obviously a jedi but this guy isn't he's just kind of weird you know what i mean so, I, but but not. I mean, yeah. he's like he's sort of the like he's got a little like a sprinkling of Yoda on the brain. He's like you know? um he's he, how would he, he's like clairvoyant. I guess you could say he's just like he knows more. He's than like us. the daredevil of the Star Wars yeah. world. Yeah, that's because <laughs> he's running through he's blind, fields. Yeah. <laughs> he is blind. Yeah. I remember there was a small knoll in one scene where Donnie Yen's character is running. And he did not hesitate and just kind of hit that knoll. Like, I mean, <laughs> you know what I mean? Can you imagine yeah. how that? I mean, any, any of, little slight any, elevation me, that... Me or you running, we probably would have ate it. Yeah, with we eyes. Yeah. <laughs> <We> would, <laughs> with being able to see, I would have I would have just been face first yeah. in the sand. Um, but yeah, he was he was phenomenal. Uh, I think that he brought a little surprise uh, to that casting because you sort of recognize him as a character. Yeah. You have respect for him as a martial artist already. Yeah. And the whole time I kept praying... I hope they kind of let him loose and you can, and, and here's what I was thinking before I saw his primary yeah. scene of him fighting. Yeah. I go, I hope they let him loose and it's very Donnie Yen like. Well, yeah, he was doing Wing Chun. It was, was it totally was, Wing Chun. Was like, I was all martial arts in Star Wars. Finally, if we could yeah. just light up his staff as a lightsaber. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was sort of waiting for it. I'm maybe not going to lie. Maybe couldn't see the button. Maybe there yeah, was. Maybe. Could, <laughs> well, that, that, the staff actually turned into that weird bow gun. Right. So, I mean, it did sort of have a secret, but I was. I was totally waiting for it to like light up and be oh. like a Darth Maul. Type I would have passed saber. out. At yeah, that I think I would have. Would yeah, I would have passed out. But um, it would have had a different color, you know. Like, yeah. what would have gone? What would have, um, what would have been his color? I think it would have been like white or like Ooh, yellow. White would be nuts. Like his eyes, like to match his yeah, eyes. That would have cool. been nuts. A white lightsaber. And then the last one, which was um, sort sort of uh, kind of, uh, he's the least important to me, I guess. But he was he was badass nonetheless. Uh, at least on the, the rebel side was no Baze Malbus. Oh yeah, I forgot the oh, yes. pilot too. The gun fellow. Baze Malbus, who was basically uh, Donnie Yen's uh, Chirrut Inway's 
kind of homie. Yeah, just his like brother. His I felt bat- like they were like brothers. Yeah. I don't think they were brothers. Like they were related. They were just like you know life the, partners. I felt the real. Yeah, they could have been. <laughs> they were heterosexual life mates. You know what I mean? I felt so, that they really. I mean, casted so well there because I, you felt the connection between yeah. the two of them. I got there was two relationships in this movie that I got the Chewie and Han uh, vibe, and it was Ch- uh, it and and Baze, mm-hmm. and then K two S O K two and um, I forget his name right now, uh, right. Cassian. Yes, yeah, K two and Cassian. They were totally the Han and Chewie relationships in the movie. It was it was cool, and I was looking for something like that. It was it was you know what I mean. Because you get a scoundrel like Cassian. I mean, he's not really a scoundrel. He's more of a like he's more a of terrorist. a radicalist. Yeah, yeah he's, he's like he's more of a he's an actual rebel. I guess yeah. you could say he's like the definition of what a rebel he's the, would be. <laughs> he's the first like kind of PG thirteen slash rated R rebel yeah. in the entire yeah, Star he Wars. Yeah, he straight up killed the guy. He's like, hey, you don't have the info for me. He's like, Tsh! yeah, <laughs> yeah. He's like, yeah, like Shh, it'll all be okay. But you're only dead. Yeah. Like, yeah. Whoa. He's like, look at the flowers. Just look at the flowers. <laughs> look at the flowers. <laughs> but yeah. Um, so yeah, I love those relationships, and so so the casting, ca- the closing it up. I, I will one more. One more, give it um, to us. You know, you got uh, oh man, what's his name? Uh, the bad uh, guy, Orson Krennic. I forget the actor the bad name guy. right now. Uh, ben Mendelsohn. You got yeah, Orson Krennic with the white tunic, so iconic looking, yeah. right? Although that one scene where he was like in the water. They it was not. Out. Yeah, it was not. Because that the, was in the so trailer. iconic and beautiful. Yeah. That's. I wanted to see that, and I was like, "That's the only time that I realized that there was a bunch of stuff not in, in the movie that was in the trailer. It was that one thing. The rest, I, I kind of forgot. I didn't think yeah, about. I, I wouldn't. Even, I, I didn't think that you would catch any of that because you avoid trailers like. It's but a, I, I a, saw a the flu. one. I know totally. Like it's um, like it's herpes. I yeah. stay away from it. <laughs> <laughs> but I did see the very first trailer, and it had that iconic yeah. look from him standing. Oh man, there. yeah, that first trailer. Because he was looking down, yeah. remember? And then he had kind of looked, did that look up. Yeah. And it was um, awesome. So, yeah, I mean, that's pretty much the casting. Uh, yeah. Great, great actors, talented people in a movie that needed talent. Yes. Um, the, we mean, needed to we needed to care for everyone yes, in a short in a period short of, time. of time. And why is that? <laughs> spoilers. Yeah, spoil The biggest spoiler everyone dies. <laughs> everyone. Everyone. No Including one makes K2SO, it. Including K2SO. Nobody makes everyone it. Everyone dies. And, and it, that was wow. that was heavy. I mean, that, that really was the, the scene not to that, just go for spoiler aspect, but yeah. I mean, what the, the the gravity of that was just like you know, like when we saw the prequels, we knew ninety percent of everyone in the prequels yeah, one, two, and three, survive. they're not going to yeah. make it. But it, that we didn't, or they disappear. Or something but it was, it, I guess, it's because of the casting, the acting, yeah. the dialogue. We didn't here's, care as much. This in such a short amount of time, we cared, <laughs> and it hurt, and we cried. Yeah. Well, here's the thing, <laughs> and. I, I expected it to happen. You know, going into this movie, I'm like, well, there, there's no mention of any of these characters in the later sagas. Yeah. So I was like, well, then they're, they're gonna, they're not gonna make it. You know, oh. that's, that's automatically what I thought going into this movie. But I forgot about it. You know what I mean? Because, because you're so tied into everything. Yes, because you're like you're you're at the edge of your seat in the action oh. here. Just like every single scene, you're wondering, like you know, that you're just. You're rooting for everyone. The, and The only time that I, I started to be like, oh no, they're all going to die, <laughs> was like, I, I kind of remembered in a way, but it, it was when after, um, I guess after K2SO gets killed. That's the first time oh, you, I teared up. You in awakened the there? You're and like, I was like, Uh-oh. oh no, they're all going to die. <laughs> He's the first yeah. to go. And like that, that was the first, it was a robot and I like teared up. Because he like sacrificed well, himself. A, he is, but but a leaf on the wind. <laughs> oh, serenity. That's why oh, you hear his you voice and you think it. of Wash and in Serenity, and you're like, 
They're going to kill him, too. Yeah. I actually remembered that early on. I was just like, man, he died in the Serenity movie. They're going to kill him here, too. <laughs> oh, my God. But he went out like the ultimate badass. Everyone pretty much did. He did not go out like a beat Yeah, he, he went out like went the out. ultimate badass. I mean, like, and he's a droid, so it's yeah. kind of... You know, I mean, like, most droids get put out like nothing. You know what I mean? It's, it's, watch the prequels. Droids are jokes. You know what I mean? This guy, this robot, K2SO, was a badass. Is there any other droid that compares no. to the entertainment factor of K2SO? Yeah. The humor and the badassery. Dude, Is there any other droid? He's name the epitome one. Of name all it. Those. <laughs> you can't. You can't name right? any of them. Yeah. So, I mean, they don't that, exist in the Star Wars. You that know, is gigantic. Truck. Yeah. I mean, think and about so. It. That's the first time R2. I... R2-D2, when you really think about it, and you break Close. his character down, right? But he's not as badass. Like... He, though, like, saves everyone. Yeah. I but, mean, and he... But he R2 never sacrificed himself to save everybody. You there know was what I mean? A, there was a part in, I know, Attack of the Clones where he where he was being attacked by some of the uh, the robot forces, oh, yeah, yeah. and he was, like, laying down oil and yeah. setting them on fire yeah. and shocking them, he's remember? He's pretty badass, but, yeah. like... Like, well, I guess that's the only comparison, yeah. though. What but, else but do we got? That, nothing. There's nothing. Yeah, I mean, close C3, to that. forget about it. He's yeah. just always falling apart and <laughs> changing colored appendages and yeah. whatnot. Yeah. So but, all we have is R2 as the as the premier badass. Premier yeah. badass. Yeah. But this, th- th- he sacrificed himself for this group. Yeah. And like, what I thought was crazy is you believe that he's a rebel. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you're like, whoa, like <laughs> a droid? <laughs> like okay. Very much so because they tell him to stay in the car, <laughs> and he doesn't stay in the car. <laughs> Right, yeah. and they were like, "What are you doing oh, my here?" He's favorite, like, my favorite "He's like, scene. I just didn't feel like staying in the yeah. car anymore." He was like, "He's like, because he doesn't has no filter, right?" <laughs> my my favorite scene is when Jin finally kind of gets unleashed too. At least for K two S O, is my favorite scene with K two S O besides his death because he goes out like a badass. Um, is when Jin's kind of kicking ass and she like gets grabbed by a robot and she turns and just shoots. Yeah, and she thought it was K two S O, and in yeah, my head I'm like, "No way already." <laughs> I was like, oh, that sucks, and then and then all of a sudden, like the the droid falls backwards, and K two S O standing behind there. That was great. And he goes, "Did you know that wasn't me?" And I started dying. <laughs> yeah, that was great. That's hands down my favorite K two S O scene. I would like to know if Tudic like ad libbed that. That would have been. It awesome. It felt man. like him, it did. didn't it? Yeah, it did. I, I've never met Tudic. I mean, I've I've they, listened I to a lot of interviews. I bet you they did fifty but... takes of oh, that, yeah. and they let him kind of loose. And they picked one. That's a lot of green screen work right there. That's you know what I mean? I just, yeah. I just bet you they just... Or whatever, motion capture. Yeah, well, I mean, they didn't even have to do it then, right? Yeah. In post, they just <laughs> let him true. do 50 of them, and then they, <laughs> were, they went with one. Yeah. I, I'd put money on that. We're going to mark it down here for the extra features in the movie. Yeah, that he was ad-libbing that And they that let scene. him loose. But that was my favorite K2SO scene. Yeah, and that was So that was the first time I cried. The, the other time that I, like, <laughs> teared up and, like, you know, had a single tear fall was when Jin and Cassian go out. Because, like, oh, wow. in, a, in a way, I mean, I, I you know, everything... Because once K2SO get, goes out, it's kind of like dominoes. Like, they all kind of start to go out, you know what I mean? But Donnie Yen's death was more of a triumphant thing to me. So, yes. I, I was kind of like, oh, man, like, he kind of fulfilled his destiny. You know what I mean? That's kind of how I felt when he died. Same with Baze, because he went out like a badass. But the one that got me, again, was when Jin and Cassian died. Because they're, like... You kind of get this romantic chemistry kind of going, finally. And you're kind of like, oh, man, like, they would have been good together as a couple. And then you're all of a sudden like, but they're not going to make it. You know what I mean? I didn't get the romantic chemistry. I really got, like, I mean, that's that's pretty deep. Yeah, because they didn't trust each other. And yet they reached that point where they were on the same team. It was like Team Rebel, Team team Rogue One. That's kind of why I got the romantic chemistry feeling. Is because, like, they finally were like, well, wow, like... 
I respect this person deeply. And let's I don't know, make maybe, that, maybe, maybe, <laughs> maybe that's just me and what I look for in a relationship or something is respect or something. I don't know. But I just got this romantic vibe from them. And it, it was... It, 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 I it was sad. It. I didn't even feel any flirting there. There was nothing. Well, no, I just there was felt definitely like... no flirting. But at the end, they kind of look at each other in this way. And well, maybe like, they oh, thought, like... Maybe. maybe they were thinking, like, you know, look, we're dead. Yeah. I mean, we might as well make yeah. out. I mean, well, they didn't. I know. <laughs> but, so, uh, but, yeah, it is it, really... It, that, that one hit me because they go out in such an emotional way. And I'm not going to spoil how they go out, but it's very sad. I had a weird one where... Um, a weird one. A weird one. <laughs> Where I got really emotional seeing Darth Vader in action oh, in that last scene because it was like spoilers. That's yeah, probably man, this the is biggest, all major spoilers. That's probably the biggest spoiler that we're gonna say is Darth Vader is in this. But they could have like badass. they could have ended the movie on the death of the two of them. Yeah, standing, it could have been it. Yeah, yeah, and then you get to see the aftermath and they unleash Darth Vader in a way that gave me the chills from head to toe. And I, my eyes welled up. Yeah. Seeing well, Darth Vader loose. And I, and I thought to myself, that is the weirdest time to get that emotional. Yeah. Because he's, he's on a murdering people. like rampage. And he's crushing necks. He's snapping people on the ceilings. He he's throwing people down. left and right. And I was just like emotionally like, oh, this is the greatest. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you this. Um, and even Patsy laughed at me at that one. She was like, that's a, that's a weird time. To, I, I is, don't know. We're, I just... we're a bunch of babies up in here, man. Anyway, <laughs> but I'll tell you this. Um, as a younger lover of Star Wars, I guess, like, I, I'm a big fan of Star Wars. I've, you know, embraced it, you know, growing up. I was a big fan of... I, I'm sort of a big fan of the prequels, which is sad to say. Um, but okay. um, <clears throat> seeing Darth Vader in that scene, I finally knew how what it felt like to see him come out of the doors in New Hope. Like, yes. for the first time. Because I never yes. experienced that. You know what I mean? In a theater, yes. I've never experienced it with other people besides maybe you or a couple of my friends. I, I finally knew the fear that that you get when you see this villain for the first time. And, like, I mean, I've seen Darth Vader, but he's never been striking to me where he's like, I'm scared of him. You know what I mean? When you see him come out of the shadows of this, like, dark, smoky... And black bl- smoke. And, like... You see him come out of there, and I was legitimately like, "Oh my god!" Like I, I it, that's it, why I got the chills from head to toe. I and felt, got emotional. I finally felt like, like I'd been watching Star Wars for the first time. I guess you know that feeling that you always hear from people: the, "Oh man, when Darth Vader stepped out of the doors on the Rebel ship for the first time." You know, I felt, you know, I got chills, and I knew Darth Vader was the most badass villain of all time. Mm-hmm. I finally, finally felt that, and it was, wow. it was awesome to finally get that feeling. That's a unique take because, like, I that, I specifically do remember before we started recording, we were talking about uh, 1977. I was five years old, and Star Wars was such the for the first time ever for me. I was introduced into this gigantic movie experience where everyone was seeing it multiple times in the theater. Most of the theaters had like a statue or someone dressed up outside the theater. I remember at five years old, it's it's some of the first memories I've ever had. And when Darth Vader stepped out from that brightly lit scene (laughs) with the white bright smoke and there he was almost hooded character. At five years old, I was basically scared out of my mind. He was just this imposing, intimidating, scary looking. You couldn't see his eyes. What's under the mask? That feeling, that feeling that you got was the the feeling i got seeing this darth vader scene and i had in a way like i had kind of heard you know that reaction to darth vader and like i'd never been like oh well he's not that intimidating to me because it's darth vader and i kind of grew up with it you know what i mean it was kind of like oh he's not that intimidating i finally got that feeling 
Yes. And, it, and, and so the feeling you're explaining is exactly what I wanted out of a Darth Vader scene. That's like I, a, I finally got it. That's like a that's like a pass the torch scene when you really think about yeah. it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's really like like the modern day person and moviegoers are are more desensitized and have seen so yeah. much more than someone my age. Now that the they kids, had to up their ante, yeah. they had to show it at a different <laughs> level. Yeah. They had to really show him on a murderous yeah. rampage because for us as a five year old, I just needed this character walking through a door yeah. and breathing funny, mm-hmm. and I, we were scared out of our now, mind. Now the kids know how scary Darth Vader is. They, if they didn't know before, because in a way I didn't, you know, I just thought he was, oh, he's well, badass. Well, in, in, uh, in, in what you're saying is a lot of it is just referenced. Yeah. I yeah. Mean, honestly. I mean, I, I've never had that striking fear of him. You know what I mean? So now the kids will know, and me apparently, know that Darth Vader is a scary, scary villain. Right. And he's just a mega badass. Right. That it will just brutally, brutally kill anything in his way. And... I didn't know that because you never really see him kill anybody in in the right. original saga, besides maybe like you know he choking chokes, some people. He chokes some dudes out, but like <laughs> that wasn't scary to me. That's just like oh well, that guy That's deserved crazy. it. You know what I mean? That's like seeing it from a whole different set of eyes yeah, again. Because yeah. when we first saw that, I was like, he just choked him with his mind. <laughs> Uh, He's choking him with his mind. I guess that, that we kind of I was blown away. That kind of that kind of speaks to I saw the prequels before I saw the original saga. You know what I mean? I mean I think I saw. The first, you know, I saw episode one, Phantom Menace, before I saw, I don't know, maybe before I saw the original trilogy. Yeah, no, I, as a matter of fact, I prided myself on you being a, a child of that time. <laughs> I said, we will watch them in the order now. And mm-hmm. I and I, you did not see four, five, and six. You saw one, two, and three first. Oh, I did. Okay. I specifically remember I don't, that. I don't remember watching them until As, afterward. Yeah. Yeah. You were like, you're of this generation, is what mm-hmm. I kind of thought. So we're gonna. This was meant for well, you. You screwed up. Okay. <laughs> you screwed up. When I have kids, they're watching it the real way. Four, five, six. <laughs> then one. Then four, five. No, Rogue One. Two, one three, four. four, five, six. One, two, you're three. You're not gonna go four, five, six. No, I'm one, starting two, with Rogue One. Three, Rogue One. No, I'm starting with Rogue One. Really? Starting with Rogue One and then going back. That's weird. To four, five, six, and then one, two, three. I mean, that's that's how I feel. That's how the universe, <laughs> the movie makers, <laughs> intended this to be. You know what I mean? Right. But you know what? I told this guy at work, Rigo. Hey, Rigo. I know you listen to the pod thing. Thank, hey, thank you very much for listening. I told him to watch them in numeric order. I've done that, and it's a good. It's a good. Um, I guess it, it, it's a good experience. It's just a more. It's a cleaner, it, it, yeah, more I, linear story. I, I guess yeah. It's more. <laughs> it it kind of you know makes more sense that way. Yeah. And but the the only thing is like holding up with legacy and like just knowing that you know what came first and like how influential the original trilogy was to the prequels and how the prequels screwed everything up. It means more to me. I mean, it didn't. Really, I like Revenge of the Sith, and I like Phantom Menace. The second one, meh. But you know, there's just pieces of them all yeah. that work at times, and yeah. I'm still get excited about. When I saw, we we after this, we basically watched them all. We stuck them yeah. in. We did Christmas shopping. Yep. We did wrapping, and we had them all going. And when the scene with Darth Maul, the fight scene happens, mm-hmm. uh, oh. you're enthralled, and you have to turn and look. Mm-hmm. Heck, when the podcast or the the um the pod, pod racing, racing begins, Hands I'm down, like, whoop, gotta yeah. turn and look at it. You know, I mean, it was it was uh, decent stuff. Yeah, I mean, I, I like the original, the prequels, but it's, I don't know, it, yeah. it's just a I different thing coming from very, a person who saw thing. the prequels first, yeah. then moved to the original saga. It's kind of like, well, the saga is what is the meat and potatoes of the original 
you know, the original, the original of the entire, you know, Star Wars universe. So I, I think that's kind of why I embrace it more now than I do back when I was, you know, 10 watching all, you know, three prequels, you know, totally in love with Star Wars. Now I understand the fandom of Star Wars, you know what I mean? So it's a little different, but getting back to Rogue One, because yeah. we kind of <laughs> took a mean tangent, tangent. sorry. Um, getting back to Rogue One, uh, what else? This, we, we sort of ended with Darth Vader back in a little bit. Yeah, that ver- uh, we're, we're kind of um, talking about like heavily emotional moments. And uh, uh, the where I really felt uh, the most overwhelming emotion was when, when Donnie uh, died. And, uh, and that was uh, it for me. And Patsy said that I'm partial to Asians. <laughs> and then, uh, <laughs> and yeah, secondly was for when, when both Jin and uh, Cassian. Cassian passed away, you know, died there. And uh, the third was, yeah, Darth Vader, just coming out and being a badass. But um, how did you feel? I guess, I guess now we can sort of the little, little small little cameos, like uh, Gold Leader and Red Leader, and um, you know, you had uh, Bail Organa, you had yeah. Mon Mothma, you had all these like original, you know, I trilogy think... characters just sort of appearing for a little bit. Even even R two D two and C three PO for like a brief second, but. Uh, How even, did you feel even, about that? Even the dude and the walrus guy yes, that were in yeah. he doesn't like the cantina. You. Right. I don't like you either. He was there, were there for a brief yeah, little get, well, get out of my way or whatever he said. or <laughs> he Watch where you're like going, you. I think yeah. is what he said. And I was like, oh, wow, even he got a little flash of moment. Yeah. But you know what? I thought it was genius. How did that guy make it out of that planet? Because that planet or that city gets destroyed. Yeah, so Spoilers. he leaves there. He goes to Tatooine. <laughs> He's like, just how looking... did he get out of there in time? Well, you yeah. know, they, they pop around the, the galaxy guess, on ships yeah. that take them light speed, etc. But yeah, he like immediately went from there to Tatooine. He was even, he was already hammered. He's bar hopping at this point. He's, <laughs> he's hammered. He's planet hopping to bars. Yeah, he's on a planet crawl is what he's <laughs> yeah, doing. He is, totally. He's on a, like a fun bus yeah. from, from Jeddah over to Tatooine, yeah. and that's where the party ends for yeah. him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he, gets, he gets sliced right there by Obi-Wan. Right. So... Or he lives, armless. Oh, and, and Obi-Wan was, was mentioned by yeah. Bail Organa, or by yeah. so, uh, he, somebody mentions to Bail Organa, do you still have that Jedi friend on yeah. Tatooine? He's like, and he goes your, like, where's your buddy? Where's yeah, your and Jedi I was buddy? like, oh! We're going to need some Jedi. Uh, my, yeah, my, like, my yeah. stomach like turned in that moment. What I was going to say <laughs> was that was character. that was geniusly placed ode to old and like the passing of the torch. Oh, yeah. It was just so well done. Not too much, because I think if there was a lot more of it, I would have started to roll my eyes and like, yeah. okay, that's enough. You don't really have to go keep referencing yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Like it was plenty, but you know that 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 footage for um, the the leader uh, um, the uh, of the rebellion, the fighter pilot. It was like taken from episode it four was, footage, um, I, I like a deleted scene. Or... I looked on IMDb mm-hmm. and it's it's the same the same people. Gold leader and red leader. Are, it's the same people. I think so. Maybe it was a deleted scene or something. But yeah, they, it's the same actors. So I'm guessing that it was. They either somehow came back and they digitalized, yeah. you know, their faces, I'm or glad they didn't go it was too a deleted far. scene. I'm glad they just didn't keep going with it because yeah. I was a little surprised at um, Tarkin. He wasn't, I guess, Dude. he wasn't Grand. Admiral I didn't even Tarkin. know that that was digital until I kind of was like, oh, now it is. Okay. No, I knew it immediately. I thought it was another because actor he's, because he died. Oh so. well, no! I thought it was another actor. <laughs> oh, I really? didn't see that it was digital until I saw his eyes in one scene, and I was I, like, "Oh." Okay. I think I've seen enough movies, unfortunately, that I can. I mean, within a millisecond, I know it's the lighting. I guess, it's I guess how he's it one of those characters that I never really paid attention to because he's sort of not in a lot of the saga. You know, the he's original in four, trilogy. A ton. That's it. But he, but actually, has more lines of dialogue. I, I think in this than, than this, any than other he Star Wars movie. Four. But yeah. Um, I, I, did, I thought it was another actor. Uh, it, it fooled me, I guess, you should say. It fooled me for a second until there was a scene where, like, 
his eyes sort of darken a yeah. little bit, and I was like, oh, it's digital. Yeah. Okay. But I thought it was another actor. I thought that was crazy. And the other smallest, most important cameo, I guess we should say, is at the very end, after the Darth Vader scene, uh, they, uh, the doors <laughs> open on the Corvette. Right? Yeah. The, the Corvette, and you see this white silhouette, you know, this white dra- draped sort of dress covering the head, and it pans around, and you see... Princess Leia. Yeah. That and that one I knew automatically that it was yeah. digital. But <laughs> that one didn't fool me. Honestly, those are like the only two smidge of a knock I can give the movies, honestly. That's the those were I, because... I guess that was the only time I felt kind of um kind of I don't know, taken out of the movie a little bit. That was the only time, but I was so um, yeah. excited to see them that it didn't matter. I, I I was the opposite in that neighborhood. I was like, they need to wrap those scenes up quickly. The more we sit there and put our eyes on them, yeah. the more it, you I guess take, with you're Tarkin, taken away with from Tarkin, reality. Kinda, yeah, with and Tarkin, that's what it was for me. Because I, so I didn't realize with him, Tarkin yeah. there was a ton of yeah. dialogue and scenes, and I was kind of rolling my eyes a little bit. That's the only kind of knock yeah. I can even slightly give this movie, is because I just knew the dinosaurs were fake. I mean, I can just <laughs> tell <laughs> Jurassic Park. Effect, yeah, <laughs> yeah I just I just know I have the knack. You can just kind of tell. Well, the the Leia one was more obvious to me. Yeah, and that was the only time I was like. Like okay, it's it's a digital character, but I think I was so hyped and so like just excited to see yes. Leia that I it didn't matter to me. Then that was yeah. that one was literally a like two seconds of Leia, so that one was enough for me to be like oh like it's cool it's Leia. I see it's digital, but I don't care. You know what I mean? So it's- I think that like one thing they maybe sort of slightly do wrong. And this is like not just for this movie, but when like digitized humans. Because mm-hmm. this is going all the way to, to to Beowulf. Remember that? Yes. That was one of the first movies where they actually digitized human beings' yeah. faces. Peter Jackson's actors. Or not Peter yeah. Jackson. Uh, was the Zemeckis's, lighting? Yeah. Was the lighting? When you yeah. really look at them, they're all in the same light. Yeah. Like Tarkin, no matter where he's standing, almost the light like it just, never changes. It never changes. This is bright, and I know Leia was only in that one scene, but it's yeah. just the it's the reflection of light on the digitized skin yeah. that gives it away. I don't know. So, so what, what are you put him in the keep, dark. Keep him in the dark. <laughs> <laughs> keep him in the dark. Keep him in the shadow. Okay. Yeah. Tarkin was by a very dark window. Yeah. Just just leave him in the dark. Yeah. But uh, you know what? They weren't long enough to where it really bugged fire me. Fire when ready, though. I was <laughs> like, yeah. Man, fire when ready. Said it with the exact inflection, yeah, right? Like it, it was. They, they probably fire. just like audio edited that out of you know. They just replayed of, it. Of, 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 yeah, exactly. Fire when ready. And then that <laughs> that sound effect was like freaking. Uh, <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, it's that same one. And that lever. Yeah. And they pre- they press because I watched New Hope after they press the bu- the same buttons the same exact way. Yeah. And you see the same people in that stupid ass ledge where the laser <laughs> fires. They right? all die of cancer almost immediately after this. After <laughs> yeah, those are fired, very they go lives. through. Yeah, they, those are like the, the they're like in like level ten timeout. Those guys get the, those jobs because it lasts about a week <laughs> and you completely die from cancer because you're that close to yeah. this crazy. <laughs> laser well, now, made from kyber now we crystals. Know Ky- they're Ky- it's a kyber powered kyber powered um, generator laser. Yeah. So, but wow, I, mean, I didn't know that the same thing that powers lightsabers is the same you know thing that powered the Death Star. I think that's crazy that they added that little aspect. Again, it, I don't think he needed it. You know what I mean? They didn't need it. They needed something, um, I guess, important for them to like acquire for you know. To, to put the Death Star in, they needed they needed a little bit of difficulty to make this Death yeah, Star. They had to I mean? make it something. They had to like point out that it was yeah. some sort of unique thing. Yeah, that yeah. really. I, in my opinion, they didn't need it. The they could have just been like, yeah, it's crazy technology. Like that's it. Yeah. You know what I mean? 
But um, it's space coal. Yeah, exactly. you know, kind of, <laughs> yeah. But, it, but that, I that thought it was cool. <laughs> I thought it was cool. It, it didn't need to be there. Um, they didn't need to have kyber crystals be the center of attention, I guess, because it kind of it sort of was for like the first I don't know thirty to forty minutes of the movie. They didn't need it to be there. It could have been something else. It could have been just you know, it just could have been Galen Erso's awesome technology that he came up with. You know what I mean? But Maybe. Who, who, I mean, it, it adds an aspect that ties it in to the rest of the series, and it was cool. But you know, whatever. Wasn't there a? Uh, and I'm asking you because you're more versed in the area of uh, the Rebels uh-huh. uh, animated series. Yeah. Wasn't there a moment where Yoda took a bunch of kids to a, a, caves, a kyber yeah. crystal cave? That's in cave? the Clone Wars, actually. Oh, it's in the Clone Wars. Yeah. And there's a robot that monitors it? I'm or not a, too sure. Or some sort of person or character that is the, moni- the, the person that monitors the kyber crystal I think, I think you're, you're right. Am but, I in that um, neighborhood? Is that yeah. Jedha? No, I don't think it's Jedha. Oh. Um, I haven't Jedha seen Clone like... Wars. That's next. Because uh, I'm caught up on Rebels now, which is And is Jedha... Mm-hmm. Where Luke is in no. Episode Seven? No, no. Maybe after the massive destruction there, it turns into, <laughs> into a water like it turns yeah. into Scotland. I don't think. And then, <laughs> and right I don't. I don't think that's the same place. Um, <clears throat> the only reason why is because you know. It, so it's just one of those it's kyber just one crystal of the, compounds. It was. It, I don't even think it was like temple. it was a mine. It was a kyber crystal mine. But the 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 significance of what Luke is doing now, he's actually looking for temples. I don't think that was. Uh, it yeah, was mentioned that it was a temple, but it was more. Well, their claim was the right in seven. It was the the very first temple. Yeah, yeah. I don't temple know if it, if it's if Luke is sort because of looking for kyber mines. I think that's what Jedha was. It was known for being the kyber mines. He's yeah. just hoarding kyber crystals that's to build doing. a bunch of lightsabers. <laughs> oh, that's cool to think about. Yeah, I mean, maybe there's no we can't you know give any insight on that. We don't know anything, so but don't I like believe that, anything. But I like saying. that Jin had a kyber crystal. I thought that was cool. I was really yeah. hoping she would have a lightsaber, though. Yeah, I mean, she had the crystal. Or like, you know, maybe like they. they... I kind of thought, you know, it was a weird thought in my head that that Jin was going to use that as a weapon at one point. Yeah. You know that Stab she would some guy's eye out or something. That, no, or like, or no, like if if the if light um beam yeah, or... no, if a blaster, like she put it in her hand and it hit it and it would like lay out twelve. It like expands oh. and it does like what the Death Star does, but in miniature oh, okay. form. Or like you know, I in, thought it would be Avengers... like a hit, like a hidden weapon that would save her life. I don't, right. I, for some reason, cool. I thought I, I was I was hoping that she would experiment with it or something and come up with like a lightsaber knife or something. You know, oh. something smaller it doesn't or have to be. A, when she turns it on, it goes boom. <laughs> <laughs> Slide the same noise, yeah. and then a green laser comes out, yeah. and the person standing right there uh, gets cancer immediately. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I, I just thought like, oh, like she's gonna do something cool with it. You know what I mean? She'll put it into a knife or. You know, maybe put it into a certain gun. An awesome or... letter opener. Yeah. She just like. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought it, they'd do something cool with it. it. It didn't, but it was it was significant because it's what her dad gave to yeah. her. Yeah. It was a necklace. But I, I had it in my mind the whole it time. Did, me too. I, I was like, she's gonna. It's gonna be way. a weird weapon that she's going to find a way to like just when she's about to die. Yeah. She uses it as a yeah. But I thought that was just amazing, amazing, yeah. amazing. Again, the kyber crystals. It was. It wasn't important. I guess it's sort of important, but it's not important because by the end of the movie, when they're trying to get the Death Star plans, do they ever say it's how lightsabers are made? Do they yes, say that? that uh, Jin says it. 
She when uh when Cassian or somebody's talking about kyber crystals and how they're farming kyber crystals, oh. she goes, "Well, my dad says that that's what the Jedi use to power their their Did lightsabers." Did she say laser swords? No, she said lightsabers. Okay, yeah. like, that would have oh. been crazy though. <laughs> right to go with George Lucas's uh, original yeah. laser sword. Um, I don't know. I gotta look. Are you sure she said lightsaber? Well, we're gonna go see it uh, Again. tomorrow. I think right. So, yes, we'll have to. We'll, we'll write. We that saw in. it Side separately. Note. I saw it Thursday night, opening night, at the earliest I could possibly see it at seven p.m. Thursday. Wow. And so I texted How you right after. Oh, dude, it was awesome. I mean, there packed. was like maybe four or five people in the in the place that had lightsabers. Awesome. <laughs> it was so cool. Um, but I brought, it was a, I brought a small lightsaber with me. Yes. I didn't. I forgot mine. I did because on the on the AMC's website it said no lightsabers. Uh-huh. But I brought a small one. Well, yeah, they let they <laughs> let people in with lightsabers in my theater. Wow. But um, it was it was awesome. Crowd was awesome. Uh, I mean, you're always gonna get those enthusiastic people. Did you buy um? Did you buy snacks? By any chance? No. So when you bought, I saw there was some Rogue One stuff though. When you bought snacks or whatever, if there's uh there was like six bucks, these like kind of reusable metal tins with Ooh. Rogue One stuff on it, and I went to just go buy a Slurpee. And I saw those, and I was like, oh, like, does it come with popcorn? And was like, no. But it was six bucks, and I was like, screw it. And I bought wow. one. It's cool. I keep, like, changing it now. But nice. <laughs> it's a cool little thing. It's, That's like, cool. on my desk. And, and it just has, like, both sides. But it was cool. I thought that was awesome. I went and saw an IMAX 3D, and so on, I, on the site, they said that they were going to give you mini posters. Did you get a mini poster? I, they didn't give me one. No. Yeah, they must have pissed. been gone. I was a little upset about that. And I asked this one lady, and she had, like, no clue. That worked there. I'm like, yeah, the IMAX. They up. never know. They have no they idea. They never know. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I love AMC. AMC is probably my favorite movie theater to go to. Uh, just a level of professionalism. Stubbs, I guess. premiere. Yeah. I don't. I don't know. But it, it, AMC. I've had better experiences at AMC Over Regal? than Regal. Um, I, I don't know about if you have you know over the country listeners or in mm-hmm. other countries, whatever. But um, Yes, hello, Germany. Yeah, so <laughs> that one Germany guy is going <laughs> to stop listening now, watch. We said um, hello. Why would he yeah. He's, he's going to tell friends now. He thinks you're making fun of him or something. I don't know. But, um, like, und, listen. <laughs> oh, now he's pop- definitely gone. There's <laughs> uns. They say uns, right? <laughs> it's normal. Um, <laughs> but, uh, so yeah, AMC was uh, where I saw it. And it, it, there's just like a... I don't know. It's a camaraderie more there than any other premiere place that I've seen it at. Yeah. So you get more hardcore fans or something, especially come out to those. I was openings, like talking right? to people, and like yeah. there were there were some hardcore nerds. There was a guy in the row in front of me who was talking about the book. They they released Which a book. book? Um, they released a book <laughs> before Rogue One, so it's about right. the characters in Rogue One. I forget Catalyst. I think it's called. Yes. It's on my Amazon wish list. I want it. Yes, it is. But there was a guy Catalyst. who was reading it, and he had maybe thirty pages before. And it was maybe an hour before the movie started. And he's like, yeah, I'm trying to bust him out and trying to finish the book before the movie starts. And I was like, dude, that guy is the most... If you're listening to this man, I hope you are. But, like, that guy is awesome. Yeah, like, pretty, that's a fan. He's doing his homework before. That's a fan, dude. But, like, you, but you wonder if, like, during any point of the movie where he's like, no, that's not what happened on page 410. <laughs> They're incorrect. No. You know, like, you're like but th- that's, that's a fan. That's a level of nerdism that I don't think I could ever reach. And I'm pretty damn nerdy. We're both nerdy. Mm-hmm. You're, you may be a little bit more than me, but oh, that's, a, <laughs> that's a level of fandom that I don't think I can ever reach. Even with Star Wars, but I, I put the I ordered I haven't ordered it. It's on my wish list. So if you want to buy me it for Christmas, Dad, <laughs> nice. um, but yeah. shameless plug. But you know, um, <laughs> I saw it. I saw it in IMAX 3D as well, and uh, I, we got away from the movie again. But uh, yeah. I saw it at 9:15 in the morning, 
and I had a very similar communal experience as well. Talking to strangers, saying hello to people. People were just happy. Uh, there was a couple of applause moments. Yeah. yeah. What is it about Star Wars, though? Because I go to all the Marvel premieres, like, early, like, midnight showing most times. Like, 11, whatever. 7 to midnight is when I usually try to go to to the Marvel premieres. I go to all of them. I've been to all of them, mm-hmm. um, at least in the past, like, five years or whatever. Um, but I don't get that. Nobody's Nobody's really, uh, like, kind of camaraderie in the in the theater nobody's really talking to each other but with star wars i talked to a bunch of people yeah and we were asking stupid questions like oh what's the dumbest thing that you would do with a lightsaber <laughs> like to a random guy it was freaking hilarious but um it, it, I, I don't know what it is about star wars but star wars brings that out in people yeah and it's awesome it's it's the passion it's the generations from yeah. you know from fathers and sons and grandfathers it's you know it's four generations yeah. basically that it's gone through now uh, that's what it is, ultimately. It's the I love. Just, and I it's just the... hope that, that I can see every Star Wars movie possible before I die. <laughs> <laughs> that's like my my dream now. I don't think that'll happen because they're just going to keep they, it going yeah, forever. Which sucks. I mean, hopefully they... I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. That's I that, just... right? That you sort of... There is that part of you that wants, you know, an end to it. Because yeah. all good things do have an end. And yeah. You'll I mean, always have that captured. Well, I've, got, yeah. I've got the 12 episodes. I just hope that they don't kill it. You know what I mean? Like they're they're not gonna ruin it. I, don't, no. I hope they're not gonna. We ruin can it. we can Jesus. thank J.J. Abrams right for that. Just the so. rebirth of he's it. He's just gonna do another one that is like in when he's ninety. When things get a little shaky, then they'll be like, <laughs> uh, bring Abrams. Hey back J.J., in. we know yeah. it's like your two hundred and eleventh birthday. But... He's like the Rock in movies. You know what I mean? <laughs> he just brings out J.J. Abrams like yeah. repairs. <laughs> Because, I mean, he doesn't have a lot of original movies, right? We yeah. think about J.J. Abrams. He, he just comes in and repairs his, franchises. His good like, movies are the ones that he, like, repaired. Yeah, Star Trek, yeah. Uh, Mission Impossible. Star Wars. Yeah. Star Wars. Yeah, Star Wars, go. yeah. So, Mission Impossible, yeah. boom. Uh, so, yeah, they might just, just have to, hope like... I they don't burn us on it, you know what I mean? I hope they nah. don't... There's no fatigue, you know? Because after a while, I think the superhero thing is going to sort of wear down. You know what I mean? Who knows how long it's going to take... Could be 30 years. You know I don't know. I mean? You look back on this year. I mean, it's a pretty good year for comic book movies. But, but I'm we'll just see. saying, like, eventually it's someone's going to get burned. You know what I mean? And I just hope they don't burn. I guess because there's, what, three Star Wars release or three uh, Marvel releases a year now? Mm-hmm. And now it's like, like there's one Star Wars movie every year, which is a better pace, in my opinion, because it's not going to be like, oh, like, in two months, there's this thing coming out, you know? So it's now it's kind of like, it's a little bit more time in between, you know? They're not going to feel as burnt out on the saga as I would be with a Marvel. And don't get me wrong, I keep putting out Marvel movies, but I think eventually the 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 masses will start to fatigue in certain areas, and I'm I'm hoping Star Wars isn't one of those. No, I don't think it will be because it's revitalized right now. It, it's it's already you can tell yeah. it, as far as like excitement level from everyone you talk to that are either hardcore fans or not so hardcore fans. Yeah. They're really into these last two movies. I like, urge wow. all you casual Star Wars fans to go see this movie because I've heard that there's are a there lot... casual? Yeah, there's. There? I mean, there's there's some... three of you. The three of you <laughs> that are listening that are in, in the world that are casual Star Wars fans. Go see this. All well, three of you. I just, like, urge the people who, who you know, are maybe just a fan of, you know, the saga. Like, the regular, you know, the regular Skywalker saga or, you know, whatever, mm-hmm. you know, Force Awakens, that type of stuff. And if you had no plans to see this movie, if you had no plans to see Rogue One, go see it. Because yeah. it is hands down, I, I, and it's just weird to say, and I don't know if you're going to, I'm probably going to get some flack for this. It's probably <laughs> my favorite Star Wars movie of all time. Wow! Because it just bold, it hit bold words. it hit every emotional point that I needed. I laughed. I cried. I cared more about these characters 
than I have for most characters in the Star Wars saga up until maybe when um, like Han died or something. But I don't know. I, I, I found the care. I related more to these characters than I did with Luke, Han, and Leia, Obi Wan, anybody. You know, and and I urge you guys to go see this movie because it is just... You've probably already seen it. I don't know why I urge you people, but... Um, go, <laughs> go see, see it, it again. Yeah, go see it again. Go see One it more a third time. time. Uh, let's make Disney richer, you know. Um, but yeah. And don't see it on a, on your on your tablet or in yeah, your don't. iPhone and your computer. <laughs> it's worth seeing in on the big screen. I really Definitely. do believe it has a just go an see it epic before scale. Go it because yeah. I... It's tempting to see it for free, but dude, it's so worth it. Yeah. It's so worth it to see it in IMAX 3D. Um, just on the yeah. big screen. Just go and experience it. It's it's something unique. It feels fresh. I wanted, you know, I went in with low expectations. I really did. But I wanted something that looked different from Star Wars, yet you didn't want something completely yeah. that looked different, but you wanted a different feel. You want feel. something that felt different from the regular Star Wars, I yeah. guess. That, that's what I was looking for. And, and this I, did in one simple aspect, and that is the true, you felt, the rebellion. Yes. And that's, that's what this that's, is. That is my favorite aspect. That's always been one of my favorite aspects in the Star Wars series, is just, you know, the rebellion and, and this camaraderie to, for freedom and da-da-da-da-da. And, and, but it was, it, they definitely capitalized on that. And they they expanded on a area of the Star Wars universe that I never thought I would see, and it was awesome. Yeah, yeah, it was definitely, definitely awesome. So five out of five for me. I absolutely loved it. It's a buy. I want to see extra features. I want to see a director's cut. I want to see an extended edition. I want to see it in 3D, Blu-ray, 4K, UHD, HDR, yeah. ASAP. Uh, you give it five out of five? Sunspots. See, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it 4.8. What? Just because four point eight is a that's an A minus, dude. <laughs> right, I might uh, go with the point eight for the uh, the the CG that's, characters. That's the, that's I could go that. All that right. and like some of the little aspects that brought me out of the movie, which were nothing. The fact that it didn't have a crawl kind of bugged me a little bit mm. because like there's they could have put some stuff about Jin and Galen sure. or so. Yeah, you're right. They, it it would have made a little bit more sense, but the fact that it didn't have a crawl is kind of why I dock it two point two points. You know what I mean? Wow, so the crawl. Yeah. But you, you didn't take points off for the CG characters? Sort of. All right, so maybe yeah. one point one, for no yeah, crawl. Point, point one, one point, for... point one for the crawl. All right, I might go with you on that. Four okay. Point you eight. know what? I'll just give it the 4.9 because I did the, the no crawl didn't bother yeah, me. It didn't bother you. I'll just you give it the point one It now. bugged me because I was like, yeah. well, they're just throwing us in this. It, they, it felt like it needed it to me. Like, I was like, yeah. well. That it's not Saga? Wasn't yeah, that what they said? That that's what like, the, that was the reason why they didn't put it in. But I, I felt that they needed it. You know what I mean? Like, there could have been some explanation as to who Galen Erso is, what the hell's going on in the Rebellion, because I didn't know. I didn't know when they're picking it up. You know yeah. what I mean? So, it, it needed it, but it, it didn't hurt it enough to make it, you know, that, bad. That must be, then, a testament when you think about it, right? Yeah. If they took that aspect out, yeah. That I mean, that could have really. Now they know. Maybe like the rest of them are yeah, they're like, okay, we're next time we'll put it back in. Yeah. yeah whoops. In the on special the edition. On <laughs> <laughs> the special edition, they're gonna have it. Yeah. Directors cut with crawl. Yeah, with the crawl. Target exclusive only. Oh jeez. Can't buy it from Best Buy or Walmart, but the Target exclusive has. <laughs> How much the you want to bet? We should put money on that right now. Yeah. And we should go to Vegas. That and, and Alan Tudyk had, uh, had you know ad-lib. just ad lib that entire scene. Those so, yeah. two things. Um. 4.8. He gives <laughs> 4. a 4.9 out of five sunspots. Beautiful piece of cinema. I, I, I ha- There's been a long time since I've actually well. I didn't like the tears weren't pouring out of my face, no, but my I my eyes welled, welled up, up yeah. and it and it one big ass fat juicy tear. <laughs> 
just streamed down my face. And Patsy caught me, you know, trying to be cool. I was trying to be cool, but no, she looked at that moment. She must have seen the giant, (laughs) the giant tear, the single tear going down my face because she turned and looked. Like, are you crying? And she was crying. So we were both cried. Oh, man, that that must have been. You must really love that woman now. Oh, I think she also cried at the hologram scene. Oh, and I yeah, think I got really I got choked. I just thought about that too. The but with Galen or something. Yeah, she, her face, right? She oh, sold it. Man, right? Yeah, that was acting chops. That was right probably there. the best acting she did in this whole movie. It was, I know we're like closing, but that yeah, just came to me. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, so 4.8, 4.9 yeah. out of five. Um, we're gonna go see it again. Yeah. We'll probably do a little. Let's do a little uh, second time <laughs> yeah. through, like we did with Avengers. Remember yeah. when we saw it twice? Yeah. We, we, we Avengers two do that because because I feel that when I see something for the first time, I overhype it for myself and I overreact. <laughs> so I, that's kind of why I don't like to. Your brain stuff. doesn't really know what you're seeing the first time. Yeah, you feel I that way so. sometimes because like even you just after, don't even, even know after what's after ba- uh, BVS after Batman vs Superman, I was freaking out and I saw it the <laughs> second time and I was like, eh. So I kind of need to see it a second time to like kind of get my bearings a little yes. bit and calm down. So I will post my review on my blog after the second viewing. Yes, um, do that. Because then I can edit it. But So yeah, expect that coming soon. Uh, blog.sunspotscomics.com Yeah, and uh, man, I tell you, Star Wars uh, Rogue One 3.5 is what I call it. Yeah, well, yeah Star 3.5. Wars, yeah, well, no, I, I would say like... 3.5. 3.75. Episode, episode 0, you know what I mean? Like <laughs> No, I'd say it's episode 3.75. I guess, yeah, you could Because it's, you know, when that ends, it's three, minutes yeah. into 4. But anyway, fantastic piece of cinema. Go see it, go see it again. And there you go. There you have it. Thanks, Jables, for joining yeah, me. No problem. Thanks, Thanks so for much. having me. We'll do it again very soon and review it after the second time we saw it. Yeah. All right. There you go, folks. Enjoy. Ah, what a ton of fun that was. Thank you so much again, Justin. Let's go watch Rogue One again and give you a second dosing of review. We will. We promise. Coming soon. But the next thing up in my nerd lobes is my Christmas wish list, part two. Here we go. Is your Amazon wish list full of comic books? Mine is, and yours should be. So I'm going to just briefly go over what I want for Christmas most, of course, is my family to be happy and healthy and world peace and all that stuff. But this month up until Christmas, I'm just going to share what's on my comic book Christmas wish list this year. And it's only comic books I have not read. And last week I hit uh, uh, the top of the list, which was Fear Agent. And this week in part two, the next thing on my Christmas Amazon wish list is Dark Knight True Batman Story. The Dark Knight True Batman Story. And this is an autobiographical story of done in Batman comic book style from a comic book writer and Batman animated series writer, Paul Dini, who writes about a horrific, life-changing event in his life and how it affects him. He really blends in some beautiful comic book art and storytelling with a crushing real-life event that I don't want to spoil in Paul's life. And I just can't wait to get my grubby digits on this. (laughs) I mean, it's that blend of true story meets uh, comic book style. And it's it's heavy stuff is what I've heard. It's being just praised in all the reviews I've read upon it. So I want to get that immediately. It's on my wish list. It should be on yours too. And that is Dark Knight. Dark Knight's true Batman story. Heavy stuff. And what's on your comic book wish list? I want to know. Am I missing something? Uh, if you have something unique you want to throw my way, and I should add it to my wish list accordingly, just hit me up and email me, of course, at Sunspots Comics or 
of course, uh, Chris at sunspotscomics.com to my email. I would love to hear what's on your list. And next thing up on my nerd brain is uh, coming soon. Something that I'm putting together is the best of 2016 tabulation. So I'm going to make a list. I'm going to check it twice. <laughs> I'm going to do some just some heavy-duty look back and tabulation of all of the best of of 2016 related to the Sunspots Comics podcast. Things like the best title, the best Marvel comic, the best all-ages comic, the best horror comic, things like that. And it's coming soon to ear sockets near you. So I'm going to either have it right after the first of the year or maybe the last podcast of the year. And just put all those things together. Go. I'm going to go to sunspotscomics.com, which you can, of course, as well, to get all my uh, information together and put the best of list together. So I, I want to make it interesting. I want to make it exciting. And I want it to motivate you to go back to sunspotscomics.com uh, and look at the lists and buy some of these comics. So uh, that's, uh, that's coming up very, very soon. Best of 2016. And the last thing on my nerd brain is that I am writing a comic book called zombie destroyers that's right and i'm actually doing the writing the coloring the lettering and my friend jordan hudson is doing his amazing art please check out his instagram at jordan underscore hudson underscore art his art is beautiful thank you very much so much jordan i also have the website zombiedestroyers.com please check that out i've posted uh, the first four pages just little samples of zombie destroyers and you can check it out so just go over to zombiedestroyers.com and put your eyes on the comic book that I'm creating. It's pretty awesome. And just a quick Zombie Destroyers update. We are hoping to put issue number one out early next year. Hopefully Q1. I mean, latest maybe Q2. And I have in my possession now pages 15 and 16. They're gorgeous. I've finalized the writing for 17, 18, 19. And I'm now actually starting to work on the end of issue number one. And I just can't believe it's going to be so exciting. It ends on a super duper cliffhanger. And I just can't wait to put it out there uh, to the world zombie destroyers and next up i just want to mention a segment on our, our uh, podcast here called spotlighting and we actually i just want to give you a heads up that coming soon i will have a writer marcusan nasso he's the writer and jason muir is the artist of the action lab danger zone comic book voracious feeding time they agreed to be on a future podcast actually on podcast 84 last week it was the number two pick of the week, and that was their debut issue, the number one issue that just came out last week. So that's quite impressive to be that high on the list when it first debuts, and it's number one. I love when that happens. They're super nice. They said they listened to the podcast, and they sent me all of their previous titles of volume one of Voracious, which I'm definitely going to be reading soon. So stay tuned for a very soon-to-be future podcast where I will have a discussion with Marcusan. And I can't wait. And Jason, the artist, his art is fantastic. We take a look at Voracious Feeding Time number one. It was the number two pick of the week on the last podcast, number 84. So they're going to be on a future podcast uh, in the segment spotlighting. I can't wait to get them on. So tune in soon. And so also, if you yourself, you are someone uh, that's an independent comic book creator or you know someone that is, that's struggling to get in the biz like myself, we want to shine some Sunspots Comics love and support to those struggling creators and do what we can to help to get their comic book out there. It's tough. It's hard work. So if you're a writer, a writer, a colorist, an artist, a letterer, it doesn't matter. If you're just trying to make a living in comics, just send me a link of your work. Send me a review copy to my email, chris at sunspotscomics.com. Or, of course, just hit me up on all the social media at sunspotscomics. I am just trying to do my part 
to put your comic books out there for you and uh, just hit me up. That's all you got to do. I know it's tough, so we'll do what we can. And quickly, I just want to go over one quick comic book news article, and it actually is a comic book feel-good factoid freebie. That's right. It's been a while since we had one of those, but this comes from the New York Times. This really just warmed my heart. Uh, the title of this article is, With Comic Book, Celebrities Pay Tribute to the Orlando Victims. So there's this comic book author and screenwriter, Mark Andraco. He really felt uh, touched and hurt by the horror that happened on June 12th, the shooting at that Pulse nightclub in Orlando. And he felt compelled. He started posting things on Facebook about it with some suggestions to do a comic book that would benefit the victims, and they've come up with one. It's a 144-page anthology called Love is Love. It's filled with original work by folks like even documentary people like Morgan Spurlock, uh, there's an actor, Matt Bomer, uh, comedian Patton Oswalt and Taron uh, Killam. They've got some stuff in there. And even Mark Millar. He's uh, got a segment in it that uh, is, uh, I think, going to be interesting. And Brian Michael Bendis has contributed as well. So some top-notch people in comics that are doing their part to uh, raise some funds, raise some money for the families of the victim of that horrible shooting in Orlando. And again, it's called Love is Love. It's 144 pages for 10 bucks. And it's going to be released to all the local comic book shops. And for, also they said the digital version will have uh, some additional content and pages with it. So very, very cool. It looks like it's uh, going to be available. They don't have the actual finalized date, it looks like. But it's, but it's coming very soon. It looks like they're probably still gathering it all together. But kind of nice that you can just pay 10 bucks and, and help some families out that are going through this horrible tragedy. But it really warmed my nerd heart. I mean, you even have, uh, looks like, images from Jim Lee is going to be in there. Uh, one of the unusual co uh, contributions is from J.K. Rowling, who allowed the use of a quote from the Harry Potter uh, book, The Goblet of Fire. And uh, interesting that they've done some images with that drawn by Jam Jim Lee. So, Jim Lee doing Harry Potter art? Yeah, you have to put your eyes on it. And, and it's cool knowing that you buy this paper comic or digital comic. And money goes to uh, the fun, some of the funds goes to a good cause, so uh, check that out. I'll share this link, of course, uh, from the New York Times on all the social media at Sunspots Comics. So very soon, I uh, definitely want to buy one for myself. And oh, here we go. It will be available December 28th. Sorry. Um, so it is. Uh, there is the date. I just found it in the article here. I knew it was buried in there somewhere. But love is love. 144 pages from some top-notch people in the comic book biz doing their part. To, to give some money to people that went through that horrible tragedy in Orlando, that shooting in Orlando in that nightclub. So very, very cool. That's my one story, my comic book article uh, that is a comic book feel-good factoid preview. So there you go. So without further ado, let's get into my favorite part of the Sunspots Comics podcast, which is my comic book reviews and recommendations, where I pick my favorite comic books for New Comic Book Day, December 14th. And of course... Spoilerish alert, but don't be really too worried. I stay away from the last couple of pages of reviewing comics. I don't give you every single plot point to ruin it all. I don't want to spoil it for you. I really just want to inspire you and get you up off your seat and get you into a local comic book shop to buy these comic books because I don't review and recommend the goods. I only recommend the greats, and that's what we're going to get into right now. And to see everything that I'm reading, which is a megaton, and all of my favorite picks of the week since May of 2015. Just go to sunspotscomics.com, click on pull list, you'll see that I'm up to 133 titles. Yeah, which I buy. Also click on top comic books of the week to see all of the past 
top picks. That's where you want to live, folks, because I've cataloged it for you. I've made it simple. I've simplified my site. I made it so it's just right there. You can see all of the great picks going all the way back to May of 2015. So please, just go to sunspotscomics.com from time to time. Super proud of it, so check it out. And every single week, I pick an art winner and a cover art winner, and it is one in the same individual, Ron Garney, for Daredevil number 14. And it is uh, horrifying, it's gorgeous, it's horrifyingly gorgeous. Actually, the cover even uh, surprised me that they were kind of that they kind of got away with something like this because it's it's a little gratuitous in its violence. Um, I can't say a little; it's gratuitous in its violence. There is the character, the new villain, which is very intriguing and very interesting, named Muse that Daredevil has to deal with, and he is like this this hyper super villain that is motivated by art, and he really has it in for Daredevil. And he's even created this blood mural that he made this giant painting which was made from the blood of over a hundred victims. We're not sure if they're alive or dead, but yeah, it's uh, it's gruesome. He's Even if you look closely at the, the way they've sort of airbrushed the Daredevil, Daredevil logo on the, on the front of the issue of uh, Daredevil 14, you can even see that it's just, it looks truly like like blood and that's like it's coagulating and uh, it's just messy and gross and I'm surprised they got away with that and on the palette the 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 painting palette that he's using uh, is a sort of layout of Daredevil's face with blood also dripping off of it so it's uh, it, and even, even uh, the little detail of how they've digitized some digitized some of the shadowing with this sort of pixelation is very unique and there's kind of this blood spatter effect you can tell they kind of laid a brush over their you know their finger with some red paint or if they did that digitally they really pulled it off well but it just has this blood spatter feel to it and there's blood kind of running down his arm so it's gruesome but at the same time it's uh it's based on this beautiful white sort of background so it's very striking the the red on white so beautiful cover and the art by by ron garney is top notch he's doing a lot of sort of different uh coloring palettes here from where you see Daredevil's sort of sonic vision in this orange and red and yellow, and then you go from this this very stark, contrasting look, the way Daredevil looks, is very much Frank Miller and kind of in the shadows and very silhouetted. And then the action scenes are just top-notch. The panel laying out and the sort of the raised-up look, the point of view, if you will, the, all the point of views that Ron Garney is using and the panel layouts really give a... A very clear understanding of all the action that's happening here and it's it's top-notch art and cover to easily pick of the week out of all the comics I read I was like boom that's it and I would always challenge it mm, is this art better no is this art better no uh, Ron Garney won hands down so please check out Ron Garney's art and especially his art on Daredevil issue number 14 and the breakdown so here we go this week I bought 20 total comics and eight of them made it to the great, the favorite pick list. That's less than 50%. And I always want to get the greats up to at least 50% so that I feel like I'm not throwing my money out the window. I mean, goods are fine, and they'll a lot of times stay on the, on the pick list. But I like them all to be fantastic and great so I can review more of them to you, of course. And new number ones uh, this week, there were three, uh, sort of. One is uh, a carryover from last week. It's called One Week in the Library which is from Image Comics, uh, but it's 100 pages, so I wasn't able to finish it until now. It's an OGN, 
and uh, that's there. And then Shadows of the Grave and Rockstars. And only one of them made it to the great picks, the top picks this week. And uh, so I'll get into that here very soon. So there you go. That's the breakdown. So here we go now. These are my favorite comic books for Picks of the Week for New Comic Book Day, December 14th. Here we go. Coming in at number eight from Image Comics is Descender. Descender number 17. And this is from Jeff Lemire on writing, Dustin Wynn on art. Beautiful cover as well. Definitely second place cover winner with Tim21, the robot, sort of standing on this meteorite, kind of floating in the sky with a lot of sort of robotic wiring coming off this meteorite. So very striking, very dark black background with sort of whitish gray meteor and Tim21 with like the, the darkness upon his face, but his eyes lit up white. Very striking. Definitely the second favorite cover this week was Dustin Wynn's art on December 17. Beautiful. This is a great recap too. So if you kind of lost where you are, fantastic recap explaining what happened a decade ago. These massive robots called the Harvesters uh, just suddenly appeared and sort of destroyed the nine worlds of the United Galactic Council. Uh, and this is sort of the aftermath of that. And Tim 21 is this, this robotic companion, a young, uh, done in the image of a young boy. And he had a, uh, an actual human companion named Andy. And this shows that later on, Andy's very twisted by what happened there. And his parents passed from, from of course, the harvesters destroying the planets. And he's very much now sort of hell-bent on destroying robots and really wants to find Tim 21 to destroy him. This childhood friend. So it's kind of it's sad and ironic there that he wants to, that he's just so angry with uh, this robotic companion that he wants to destroy him. Even though there were a lot of warm moments that were put together with Andy and Tim 21. But though this is a cool storytelling style in that they, the paneling is done in, uh, in, in like nine and three rows. And each row is telling sort of a different story. And it does that consistently through the entire book. It's not gimmicky to where you thought, oh, they'll splash that in at the beginning and then pass on that sort of style, unique storytelling style. They, he sticks with it. So it's kind of cool. And they even sort of mix the storylines a little with what row they're in. And I just like that. I thought it was interesting, but it didn't take away or felt like it was gimmicky or, or sort of distracted from the really tight story that's happening here. You have Tim 21 versus his sort of uh, doppelganger. Uh, robot as well that's, that that has changed his hair to red so you know that they're different and he's been raised by the by the planet of robots basically to uh, destroy them all and so there's that fight going on with Tim 21 and his doppelganger and then there's Andy who's met up with an ex-fling that uh, is he's she now lives on this sort of half planet where people have embraced a lot of robotic appendages and infused the robots into their lives and are kind of pro-robot and they're trying to kind of rekindle the flame here, and it's very, very awkward. I don't want to say how that ends, but there's definitely a very meaty awkwardness in the middle here of, the, of Andy trying to rekindle this flame with Effie, who doesn't want to even be called that. She wants to be called the Queen in Between, which I love even that name. And then you have uh, Telsa, who is now just trying to find Tim 21, and so she's sort of doing that with those, this professor who ultimately has kind of betrayed them he's like an interesting character in that he's multifaceted you really want to believe that he wants to help the group and other times he sort of sabotages the group so he definitely a complex character with this professor who may have actually created the very apocalypse that happened so 
Very, very interesting characters. Three stories going on at once. Just a lot happening. It's action-packed sci-fi. Dustin Wynn's art, of course, is the watercoloring style with very unique kind of blending of pinks, blues, and, and yellows. And it's just, it's pastel, and it's, it's very pretty to look at. His lines are gorgeous. So check out Descender. It's been a top pick for a long, long time. I can't believe it's already on number 17. But super solid number 8 pick right there. And coming in at number 7 from uh, Image Comics is uh, Green Valley issue number three. And this is from Image Comics. This is written by Max Landis. He's the creator and writer. And Giuseppe Camoncoli, pencil, uh, does the pencils and cover. He's, uh, for me, right off the bat, I remember him from Amazing Spider-Man for a very long time. And this is a ton of strange fun with a serious twist in here. And you, if you've been reading Green Valley, this is kind of what you've been waiting for. You have these uh, these four knights that are on this quest. From the beginning, they sort of fail their primary quest, which is keeping their land, their village safe from these barbarian marauders. And that's sort of the only little minus in a way because they don't show it. They show that the barbarians take over the village and they fail. But they don't show enough of that fight. I wanted more of it because Giuseppe Cam and Coley's art is ridiculous. But it gives you just enough to keep you wanting more. So, smart on their part. But... This picks up where they were living in issue number two, just on the outskirts of their destroyed village and kind of aimlessly living without really any major pur purpose. And this young squire comes along and says that his town's being run over by a sorcerer. And they're like, okay, uh, is, are wizards real? They kind of don't know here. It's a little more grounded in reality, this sort of Game of Thrones-like uh, story. So this comes as kind of a shock to them that there's, there would really be a wizard with powers. So they follow this kid, and the skies look very ominous here. Uh, it looks very, very strange, this very ominous dark clouds, but there's this clearing over it. It looks very, very strange. And they just kind of, you know, valiantly go galloping into this town to fight this wizard. And that's all I can really tell you, because it gets twisted, it turns the comic kind of... On its head, uh, it definitely takes a turn that I did not see coming. It is strange. Where does it go from here? Uh, the wizard is is definitely not something I was expecting and was very surprised by it. That's all I'm going to tell you. But go get Green Valley. If you're missing Game of Thrones because uh, there's always these nine-month month breaks of Game of Thrones, it has a little bit of that feel. It has a little bit of Excalibur feel and the Excalibur movie and the and the you know Knights of the Round Table and King Arthur has a bit of that from their nobility that these knights have so check out green valley it's definitely that and this twists the end here <laughs> crazy cuckoo but <laughs> coming in at number six is hillbilly issue number four and hillbilly is from my favorite publisher name i love it albatross funny books and this is hillbilly issue number four the fiddle that Screamed for Blood by Eric Powell. This is all Eric Powell, the creator of the Goon series, which I love. And this little ditty here is about this strange sort of homeless fiddle player that lives on the outskirts of this town. And it's kind of like explaining this strange ghost story or legend and that this fiddle player was eventually sort of kicked out of town and this town did some mean stuff to him and he kind of laid a, a curse upon the fiddle and anyone that finds it and on this town and so it's the rise of this sort of specter and this demon fiddle player and of course it just crosses paths 
with Hillbilly and his trusted sort of sidekick. And uh, Rondell is the Hillbilly's name, which I, I just like that for some reason. Rondell the Hillbilly. But he carries the Devil's Axe, or the Devil's Cleaver. And it has magical powers that can that can smite various demons and specters and witches and ghosts, etc. But this just has our main character first kind of take a turn into this village to try to live sort of uh, some sort of normal life. And he shaves and cleans up. And so you see a sort of different side of him. You kind of have that feeling at first that the hillbilly just doesn't care. He could care less about humanity. They really that uh, he's all of just a, he's a selfish sort of primary character that really cares about nothing but himself. But this shows a different side of him that he does shave and clean up, and he talks to this this you know this townswoman that's kind of flirting with him, and it shows sort of a softer human side of this man carrying the devil's cleaver, and. There's this young boy that wants to play the fiddle, the haunted fiddle, of course, and things just go very wrong from there. And the art from Eric Powell is top notch on this because he has time. He is one of those artists, creators that will put out his issue whenever he feels like it. <laughs> I think Hillbilly, uh, the Hillbilly 3 issue was closer to being on a, on a four week schedule, but prior to that, Hillbilly 2 and 1, they were like 8 weeks apart. But you can tell why it's worth it. Yes, you do have to park your continuity brain aside and kind of revisit the other issues to kind of... But you don't really necessarily need it. Because it's really just the, the romps of Rondell, the hillbilly that carries the cleaver of the, of the demon. So I don't want to tell you any more than that. And that craziness does happen from the haunted fiddle. And it's just so beautifully drawn. Anytime that... Eric Powell has to draw skulls and demons and smoke and and blood and monsters. It just, you just get that that uh, that that traditional core monster feel from anything that Eric Powell does. So I recommend it highly. It is gorgeous stuff. Check out his work. Anything with Eric Powell, you will be safe and you will be happy and you'll be filled with monster goodness. So coming in at number five is James Bond. This is uh, Hammerhead. I'm loving this series. This is uh, Hammerhead issue number three of this series. I think it's five total. And this is the uh, writer uh, Andy Diggle and artist Luca Casalinguida. And it was an art winner prior uh, to, I think it was uh, one uh, four weeks ago. I think it was exactly one month on delivery for the last Hammerhead. And it was an art winner. Gorgeous. Sharks, James Bond, James Bond doing his thing. You know, Lear Jets, uh, action-packed. It was full of gadgets. This is very, very cool in that he um, he witnesses sort of the death of this billionaire, and the daughter has to quickly sort of take over. And of course, uh, James has to have a little romantic interlude, and you know, make her feel better and stuff. And things happen in the Lear Jet. And as she wakes up, he's outside the Lear Jet. They're in Yemen, and it's just jet setting across the world, and James Bond doing his thing. And putting his thing down and whatnots. And then he's hot on the trail of trying to find this billionaire's killer. And it's, he's the billionaire was definitely killed by a team of commandos. So that's where he's involved. And there's apparently a dirty bomb involved. So he's uh, in the mix there too. And you get to see the new Bond mobile. And it's a Mustang. I mean, American muscle. I am, I'm not a Bondite. I don't know exactly all of the cars he's driven in the past. But I, could, I think a... A Ford Mustang has to be one of the first, and it's uh, gorgeous, and it's uh, 
so full of special effects in here and, and doodads and whatnots. And uh, you want to just see the car in action. And you do, but it's fighting James Bond. The car is attacking him. It's been sabotaged. And that's the core of the story. And I don't want to tell you kind of what happens at the end of that, but... I don't think we've ever seen the James Bond mobile attack James Bond, and it's glorious action. The panels are so well done, the slight blurring effect, the way that the panels lead the, into the other panels, into the next, it's so flowing and has this great action feel to it. It's a page turner, and I tell you, it's uh, my favorite Bond comic I can remember in a long time. But you're just getting the introduction to this, this, uh, this, this group of uh, mercenaries that are that were hired to kill this billionaire that he has to that he's kind of romantically involved with the daughter of this billionaire that passed but the action scene alone with him fighting his own car is uh is great stuff i can definitely see this as a movie i mean rockets flying machine guns all types of all the gadgetry from the car working against james bond here but uh yeah and they love infusing sharks into this every so often i mean yes it's called hammerhead but uh, I love the way they're painted in the blue. They're just so beautifully done. Oh, and stick around for the end of James Bond. Don't just stop when the comic ends. There is some great uh, exclusive content here with uh, the making of and some of it in black and white showing the layouts. And it's just great work and great art. Hats off. This James Bond series is one of the best I've read in a, in a very long time. So check out James Bond Hammerhead. Definitely a buy. And coming in at number four is Fool Killer. This is from Marvel Comics. This was a top pick when issue number one came out. This is Fool Killer issue number two. This is written by Max Bemis. This is penciler Talibor Tayaljik. I'm sorry for that. And uh, Jose Marzan Jr. on inks. There's great colors in this. And uh, it's just uh, this strange story about how S.H.I.E.L.D. has come up with an arrangement for Fool Killer to, because he has a psychiatric background, to sort of assess these villains that S.H.I.E.L.D. captures, see if they're if he's able to rehabilitate them. And if he doesn't rehabilitate them, if they fall within the lines of his of Fool Killer's sort of code, where they are fools to society, and uh, then he can kill them. <laughs> That's the gist of it. So it's like this twisted um, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest meets The Sopranos. It's a little bit of that all in there with, a, with the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. sort of story and TV show blend it all into one. But Fool Killer is very interesting. He leads this like leads this very normal life and is definitely embracing this uh, job that Shield has given him. And it kind of sets uh, it make, gives you the sense that Shield they're they're kind of badass in this sort of world they're painting and it kind of inspires me to maybe give the TV show a try again. But um, <laughs> they're doing some unique storytelling here. It's definitely a mature uh, style of comic, very over-the-top violence. It uh, reminds me some of, of uh, Mark Millar's early work, and uh, and it's and it's hyper violence, and uh, surprising title from from Marvel, and it absolutely has some hysterical, funny bone tickling moments in Fool Killer. It is just a drop, your jaw dropping like dang, and also just the way that they've written the dialogue is hilarious. There's a there's a point where he's sitting playing cards with the Punisher and Wolverine. And it's, it's hilarious. And you have to read it. And it's not often that comics like make me laugh. And I laughed like 4.5 times in this. <laughs> just reading Fool Killer issue number 2. So it's my Funny Bone Tickler winner of the week. Check Fool Killer out. It's only on issue number 2. Go get number 1. It's hilarious. It's weird. It's twisted. And he has, like I said, Fool Killer has the code 
of killing the fools in the world that he runs across for whatever reason. So Fool Killer is a winner. And coming in at number three, so here we go. These are the top three comic books of the week. Coming in at number three is Reborn. This is uh, issue number three. This is from Image Comics. It's written by Mark Millar. It's penciled by Greg Capullo, who did Batman for so long. And this really just unleashed Greg Capullo to do some very interesting fantasy-style sci-fi in this world that is the afterlife. That's kind of this Lord of the Rings realm. That uh, this is where you go when you die. And I like the premise because, I mean, right from the opening sequence, you have, like, flying elephants with... Uh, with a warlike armor and wings put on here, it's like it's like Dumbo, it's like Commando Dumbo, flying in this in this opening sequence. So they're just throwing in all kinds of strange things in this afterlife world. They've set up some strange, unique sort of rules to it. In that, uh, if you are a a person that is uh, is extremely good in your life, and uh, you live within the uh, the rules sort of of karma, then you are sort of powerful and magical and and given like like magical swords, etc., in this afterlife. And if you are evil, then you are evil and more powerful. The more evil you are, the more powerful you are. And even at sometimes, uh, as far as how many feet tall you are in this realm. So uh, it, those are sort of the rules there. But they still don't kind of explain what happens if you die in the afterworld. So I'm still kind of hanging on there to see what that is. But anyway, this uh, opening sequence here has some strange-like creatures, like a dragon with a lion's head. That is chasing after the Commando Dumbo. And uh, it's just interesting to look at. I mean, it's dragons. It's this gorgeous sort of valley. And you're getting to see some of the dark side of this afterlife. And what these lion head dragons do to flying elephants. <laughs> but they want to... Uh, they've agreed that uh, she wants to find her husband that she was married to for many years in the real world. And find him before they can start this uh, jump back into this war of of light versus dark in the afterworld and it's a twisted take on it it's interesting it's unique she's wearing like a sci-fi outfit so there's some some sort of um way that this afterlife sort of takes some of your deepest darkest uh, or deepest you know sort of uh loves and and things inside of you and and builds that sort of traits to who you are in this afterworld so there's some weird like world building and rule basing things that are going on it's very very interesting and they're running into some trouble here the 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 people that are the organization of the bad which is run by this crazy looking demon it looks like that red devil in the movie legend look it up with tom hanks or i mean uh, tom cruise uh very much like that black thick dark horns and this devil-like teeth and face reminds me of that from from the movie legend and our primary character here are ransacked they're on the run uh, they have a dog named Roy Boy, who's kind of a, like a dire wolf that you're rooting for and you love, and you just don't want to see anything bad happen to Roy Boy. That's all I'm gonna say. And uh, are they going to make it away, like from this this group that's chasing them? It's mixed with like from pirates to skinheads to it's sort of all over the place. Like every single panel just has a ton of things to look at here because you really don't know what's going on. At one time, there's like sort of piranhas with glowing eyes flying through the air, like flying floating piranhas. Like, this is all over the place, but it's fantasy, and it's different, and has a very unique premise, and this just uh, has some new characters that are introduced that are that uh, know about her magic sword, but she doesn't even know about her magic sword. But I gotta see where this goes. There's even, like, a sci-fi space, 
you know, effect to it with some of the of the the ships they're flying around and the gadgetry that you're using. You have some anthropomorphic uh, characters in this, like you know, just walking cats that talk, that are hell bent on destroying the good people because uh, there's one cat in particular that he was uh, neutered from the uh, from the main character, and so he's hell bent on revenge because. He had his stuff cut off at a young age, and he wants to murder her because of that. So his even his motivation is interesting. So yes, this comic is all over the place. It's got a ton going on. It's very dense. It's thick. It's very fantasy. And I said, like I said, concept is A+. So check out Reborn. It's only on number three. Go get it. It's uh, beautifully drawn as well by Greg Capullo. Top-notch stuff. Now coming in at number two is... One Week in the Library. This was definitely the surprise hit of the week for me. And this is from Image Comics. It's an, uh, an original graphic novel. And it definitely has a very prose-like feeling here. It's it's 100 pages. It's uh, authored by W. Maxwell Prince. And this is uh, gorgeous, gorgeous art as well. John Amore tops off to you. Colorist Catherine Leno. And it's 100 pages for 10 bucks. So I felt it was just a very good deal because it's very dense. It's very heavy at times, but other times it, it very much reels back in. But the premise of this, this concept, is a very interesting one. It's uh, that there is this librarian that is a the, sort of the protector of all of all of literature, of every sort of book ever written in this library that is where. You don't really know where this library is, but it's like... It's like the library of the universe. And this goes and lays down a typical week in this strange library of the universe. And you have this character that uh, lives, eats, sleeps, dreams. Uh, everything he does is enveloped by this library that seems to be kind of, kind of, kind of breaking at the seams. It seems to be sort of falling apart or they're, these stories are trying to break loose kind of on their own that these stories are coming to life and they envelop him in either visions or they're physically in the library sort of trying to destroy it or he is very much like in a dreamlike state in a particular story so it's it can be a little twisted and a little sort of psychedelic and a little bit out there but not to the point where it doesn't make any sense it doesn't give you solid answers in this it's more of just the unique journey and there's even a um the opening sequence is very weird about this sort of man that may be a serial killer and it, it's kind of like a like a nightmare at the very beginning of it is the best way to describe it uh, kind of a, a, a horror-filled nightmare there's 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 young two two young girls that are playing with their father that's that's ripped his own eyes out and he's standing there with his eyes in his hand it's it's dark and it's gruesome but I don't know it's just not over the top gratuitous or horrifying it's just done in a strange kind of very nightmarish feeling and it quickly kind of moves on from that so you don't live in that world for very long because that's what is kind of the premise of this it just sort of moves and it goes into other stories and these stories are i mean there's even one shelf sitting here with the the clock and the night um the candlestick from beauty and the beast i mean he references so much literature in here it's it's just gorgeous from the matrix to the bible to alice in wonderland I mean, there's so much literature that's referenced here. And and the days of the week are all very interesting. It just goes from one to the next. I mean, there's a, a, a scene where 
The library is overrun by the ocean. He's kind of riding a wave. He's like on a book as a surfboard. And there's even like the the Wilson volleyball from the uh, from the uh, Castaway movie with Tom Hanks. Like it's uh, it's strange. There's like a teeny Moby Dick that's floating through the ocean, and and then Pinocchio is there. And so there's so many little twisted um, versions of modern literature that uh, even Pinocchio isn't necessarily Pinocchio. And there's this octopus there, but it sort of is. And I even think that there is a black sad character, an anthropomorphic cat that's serving cigarettes in this sort of swanky nightclub and that that's even referenced there and I love Black Sad and so it's just this this like I said it's an, an interesting unique glimpse into a week into these this universal library and there's a there's a three page right in kind of the center of it which I think it was Saturday where it's uh, it's just three pages of non comic booky stuff just words pretty weird <laughs> actual book form center of it where it's like three or four pages I always initially kind of roll my eyes when I see that in comics I'm like oh no I buy comics so I don't have to read uh, book stuff but I read through it and it's it's interesting and twisted and again like kind of a nightmare and it's the, the story of this woman that is having sort of uh, maybe a psychiatric breakdown maybe a, a, a split and uh, or maybe she is not and she's just sort of unbalanced in her medication and like she's going to a therapist and some of the things she's going through to potentially see a ghost and have conversations with the ghost but it's enthralling and it's very interesting and it is kind of nightmarish and and what she sees is like this trapeze but very very unique very twisted very interesting I it was a page turner all the way through uh, the hundred pages go by really fast surprising when I actually had the time to sit down but it's nice that sort of each day of the week is very different. It almost feels like a new comic on every day of the week. So very, very cool. I, I really recommend it. One week in the library. It's definitely my surprise pick of the week. 100 pages, original graphic novel. It does feel like it kind of ends, but I don't know. You could have a ton more of this. And like I said, it's very much, uh, it feels just like, like a beautiful work of prose. So uh, it, it's solid, solid pick of the week. And uh, check out... One Week in the Library from Image Comics. It's just a number one. Beautiful stuff. And, uh, oh, and I love uh, his um, work that uh, uh, W. Maxwell Prince is putting out that I really enjoyed uh, last week, which is that uh, that story of uh, the, um, oh, what was the name of it? It's that that other land that uh, is that they walk into paintings. Anyway, it'll come to me as I'm going along. But uh, number two, One Week in the Library. Beautiful, beautiful stuff. But the number one pick of the week, this week, it was a doozy, and it's a it's a triple whammy right here. I, I don't know the last time that this happened, but the number one pick of the week is Daredevil, issue number 14. And it was the art winner, it's the art cover winner, and it's the number one pick of the week because it is just action-packed from beginning to end. And as I said, with the cover, gruesome, kind of bloody cover, with you can see coagulation of blood it's gross it's caking it's bubbly it's just so painted beautifully and with the character muse on the cover it's striking like i said very white background he's basically you know drawn in all black and that unique sort of texturizing with this uh pixel like dot um matrix printing old an old printer style of creating some of the shading here and the blood spattering effect just gruesome but this is charles soul on writing and Ron Garney, who is definitely the art winner of the week, got to give Matt Miller, his color artist, 
uh, props here for his beautiful coloring because like I said, it's a mixed palette of stuff. It goes from a Frank Miller style to a very silhouette style to a very blood splattery painting effect look. It's just a lot going on here, but this is sort of the final showdown, the final rundown, the final, the battle. Who knows if it can actually be final. This feels like a, a villain we're going to see a whole lot more of with uh, Daredevil, Blindspot, and Muse. So they've got a little help with this inhuman sort of master of the guard that is helping them with leads and they're able to sort of put together, I don't want to spoil all the aspects there, but it's very neat as to where he is. And something that I don't think I've ever seen in a Daredevil comic is that he sort of sits down in the middle of the street in New York and like ultra harnesses his his x-ray vision powers, his his uh, his seeing without seeing, his, his mind sight, and he sort of expands it out and really just sort of concentrates and focuses his brain to where like his nose is bleeding and he's just sitting there in the center of the street. And I don't think he's ever done that. He's really trying to hyper harness his ability to finding Muse because the longer he lets Muse live, the more people die and they're turned into his art. And he uses their blood in paintings and murals and sort of setting up these strange artistic scenes that are sort of referencing Salvador Dali and a lot of a lot of beautiful artists. So he's scary. Muse is a is a well-written, frightening, I mean, that's what you want to do with bad guys, is you want to really have a bad guy that you want Daredevil to destroy, to put behind bars, to catch, that you you just you are frightened by him. Just the imagery of him alone, where he has like these darkened eyes and there's kind of blood always running down his completely white outfit and there's always blood on his hands like up to his elbows it's gruesome and he has like this weird beanie that he wears and like these suspenders but it's it's frightening and crazy and twisted and you get to see his home of horrors uh where he has all of these sort of body parts hung up for a marvel comic this definitely pushed the envelope of very sort of hyper violent and gory and felt feels a bit like a horror comic, but there's Daredevil in it, who's there to try to save the day. So that's why it definitely felt like the blending of two genres, superheroes and horror. Primarily, I think due to the character Muse, which is a, I hope, is a villain that is around for a long time. We know really nothing about him, they're keeping him mysterious. It's like, like the Joker, they're not really showing his origin or kind of where he's from, he's just on the scene doing strange things for art. And so, yikes, he's motivated by that. But Blindspot is captured. Daredevil knows that Blindspot doesn't have much time. He's desperately trying to get across time, uh, across town to get to Blindspot. And and then that's when the fight ensues. And it's just a, a, a long fight. It is um, just action-packed. It's a page-turner. It's beautifully done with, you know, his, his nightsticks that he's throwing. And Muse is like this amazing hand-to-hand -hand combat fighter. And... He's definitely giving Daredevil a difficult time here, and I like that. He's just not a easy one-and-done villain that we're not going to think about. Daredevil has a difficult time fighting Muse, and Blindspot, something very significant happens to Blindspot here. That's all I'm going to tell you. It's worth getting this comic book for just this. It definitely feels like it has gravity. It's going to affect Blindspot, um, Daredevil's sidekick, I think, for future issues. I want to see where it goes, but... I don't want to tell you that. That's really all I want to tell you. I know it's like the number one, but I want to tell you the least because I really want you to read this. Like I said, it's action-packed. Muse versus Daredevil. Blindspot hanging in the balance, who's all tied up. What's going to happen to him? It's it's some great emotional 
uh, looks on the faces, some some of those hyper cl uh, zoom close-ups that I love that really show you the emotion on everyone's face, that they're really going through something major here. And Muse uh, is, uh, is, like I said, he's continually say he is frightening, and they show a little more of him and give a little glimpse of Muse, but not much. It's like they're pacing it very well. They've created an interesting villain that you really want to see horrible things done to because he's a twisted villain and that's uh, the key to making a A-plus great comic is have a super-duper villain that you hate. And uh, you sort of love to hate Muse, though. And like I said, visually stunning. But action-packed, I mean, horror and, and superhero comics in one. Some great dialogue here. And uh, you, you, you're pulling for blind spot and uh, some stuff goes down. That's all I'm going to tell you. But triple whammy, like I said, triple threat. The art cover winner, the number one, the art winner overall, it's just a, it's an A+, plus, definite buy. Just get the first arc, which is probably the last five issues, but Daredevil number 14, number one. Easily, it just easily beat everyone. I read it like third or fourth out of 20 because it starts with a D and I read alphabetically. And as I challenged it with everything else, it was simply and easily the number one pick of the week, Daredevil. Check it out. It is so good. So there you go. There you have it. Those are my recommendations for New Comic Book Day, December 14th. Please take this list of eight and go to your local comic book shop. Walk up to the counter. Say, hey, I'm so-and-so. Chris from Sunspots Comics told me to buy these right now, and I have to buy all eight. And trust me, you will not be disappointed. They are great. And if you have any questions, comments, or you want your own personal comic book recommendation, or maybe you want to give a personal recommendation to me. Maybe there's something I'm missing. I mean, I don't, I don't buy everything. There's so much out there. I try to buy a unique blend of everything from unique to superheroes to indie to all ages to horror. I'm just a little all over the place, but I can miss stuff. So if you know something that uh, you really love and you think I should be reading, send it to me. Just email me, chris at sunspotscomics.com, or hit me up on social media at sunspotscomics. And if you do send me an email and I read it on a future podcast, because I think it's interesting, I will send you a comic book prize as a personal thank you from me. So get a prize, email me. Make it interesting, and you can win a prize. And please sign up for our newsletter on our website, sunspotscomics.com contact. And please, please, please tune in next week for issue number 86, where I will be giving you another Christmas wish list item from my unread comic books from my Amazon wish list. I will be reading 18 comic books next week for December 21st. That's only, you know, uh, getting right up to Christmas there. I tell you, it's getting close. Um, uh, well, you know, it's gonna be, uh, it's already six days. I can't believe it. This one snuck right up on me. Also, there's three new number ones coming out next week, so potentially 21 comics that I will be reading. And I'm really looking forward to some stuff coming out next week. I'm already looking at the list. Four Kids Walk Into a Bank, another one that's like every three months that comes out. Definitely <laughs> a strange pace. Amazing Spider-Man, Batman, Black Hammer number six. I can't wait for that. Uh, Cage. That, that lovely story that I'm, I'm loving the art on that. It's just so twisted and fun. It's from that, from uh, Gendy Tar Tartakovsky that uh, does uh, all kinds of stuff from Samurai Jack that I love. Cave Carson next week. Depth, number nine. I mean, there's just so much stuff. It goes on and on. Lake of Fire, Silver Surfer, Star Wars is coming out again. It seems like it's every single week. And Thanos, number two. I can't wait to see what's happening with that Thanos, uh, number one, that just came out. So tons and tons and tons of good stuff. I got a feeling next week's going to be a lot on the great list. So please tune in to Podcast 86 next week. And also, 
Thank you very much for listening. I really, really appreciate it. It means a lot to me. I hope you get something out of it. I hope you enjoy it. I hope you go and buy those comics and really love them. But if you want to give a little bit back and help us here at Sunspots Comics, just like I said, subscribe to us and please give us a positive review on iTunes. Just write a little, you know, a little positive blurb. Give us five stars and I'll personally thank you and read it right here on a future podcast. So thank you so much again. Uh, please don't forget, of course, to be water, my friend. Be like water. And be good to each other. Find a neighbor you haven't seen in a long time and just give him a nice wave and say hello. How about that? <laughs> but anyway, hope you're having a good rest of the day, night, evening, weekend, whatever it is for you. Thank you again for listening. Talk to you next week. Okay. Bye-bye. See you later. No, you're not. You're not. Do, you don't have a good voice like an Imus. Uh, you need to listen to how I do it. Listen, WNBC. WNBC. No, no, you're not hearing me. We'll, we'll work on that, Howard. All right. <laughs>